So Jesus, our good shepherd, who is calling you by name and is leading you out, you need to know where he's leading you into. He's leading you into these green pastures. by the Spirit of God, or are you just following the latest trend? Today, Jeremy Pearson shares the benefits of choosing God's ways and being led into a place of abundance. Next on The Believer's Voice of Victory. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. I'm Jeremy Pearson. I'm so thankful to be back with you for another week, uh, getting into the Word of God, finding out what God wants to say to us. This is the the first full week of this year, and I, I know we are off to already a strong start. You need to start right now believing God where this year is concerned and take hold of the word that he's given for you and given to you, and you believe it, and you take it into your heart, and you let it strengthen you, and you say out loud, this will be the best year of my life so far, and you believe that. Don't just, don't just kind of uh, spout it out and just kind of rattle it off. No, you put emphasis on it and you believe those words and you believe them because of where they came from. It's not something you made up. You found it in the word of God. I believe it's the psalmist that said in Psalm 65, 11, said that God crowns the year with his goodness and his paths drip with abundance. And I want you to right now lay hold to that and say, yeah, that's my year. That is 2015 for me, for my family, for my business, for my church, my ministry, whatever it is your hand touches, you believe that God has crowned your year with his goodness and that his paths for you to walk in, they drip with abundance. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this opportunity to come before your word. Father, we worship you right at the onset of this year. Just these few days into it, we worship you. We dedicate it to you, sir. We believe that this will be a year where you are in manifestation like never before. We are going to see miracles. We are going to see the, the presence of God on display on our in our lives, in our churches, all over the world. Father, today we come to your word with eyes open to see, ears open to hear, and hearts open and ready to understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. We give you praise and thanks for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to go with me right now back to the book of John. We spent a whole week looking uh, in the book of John, chapter 10, at something Jesus said. And I don't want to take a lot of time to recap that. I want to make sure you go get those broadcasts. They're free for you at kcm.org. You can download them, watch them, get them down on the inside, get caught up with us. But I, want to, I do want to look again at what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Just begin in verse one. Jesus is speaking and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Somebody who comes in the wrong way, you need to know they don't belong there. The same way if you, you hear a noise in your house uh, downstairs in the middle of the night and you go down there and you find that some guy has come in through the back window, that guy don't belong in your house. <laughs> and, and how do you know that? Because he came in the wrong way at the wrong time. And there's something you need to know about that man. He's a thief and he is a robber and he doesn't belong in your home. 
you begin to identify people in your life based on the way they came into your life, based on the way they made an entrance into your life. Did the Lord bring them into your life or did they come in some other way? And if you're not watchful over that, there are, there'll be people that come into your life, into your church, into your family. If they don't come in the right way, just watch out over that because they will end up stealing. They will end up taking something from you. But those who come in the right way will always bring something to your life. See, this is how you begin to identify, am I in a right relationship? Is this business relationship that I'm in, is it right? Is it of God? How did it begin? How did it get started? Learn from the words of Jesus to identify these things. He goes on in verse two, says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. Now listen to this. And the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Man, that was big to us all last week. That's our word from the Lord. He is leading us out. Jesus is your good shepherd. He speaks to you and you know his voice. You're familiar with it. Don't ever say again that you don't hear him or you don't understand him. You say out loud, you come into agreement with Jesus himself and you say, Jesus, you are my good shepherd. You do speak to me and you said I can hear and know and understand your voice. But what is he doing when he's speaking to you? He is coming to you to lead you out. And that's what Jesus did the very moment you were born again. That's what he began doing right then, right there. He began leading you out. You made Jesus the Lord of your life. He began right then to lead you out of sickness. He began right then leading you out of sin. He began right then leading you out of darkness, out of death, out of bondage of every kind. But our good shepherd doesn't just lead us out. Remember, he also leads us in. You don't leave one place without at the same time going to another. So Jesus, when he led you out of sin, he was also leading you in to his righteousness, praise God. He was leading you out of sickness and into his healing, out of darkness and into light, out of death itself and into his life. That's why he said here in this same chapter in verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and not just have life, but have it how more abundantly. This is the kind of life that Jesus came to give this abundant, more than enough, more than more than enough. You look this word up and you're going to find that it means excessive. It means too much. Now, what are you and I going to do with too much life? What are you and I going to do with too much salvation? Because you see, when you were born again, he didn't just give you enough to just barely get you in. No, that's not the kind of life he comes to give. He comes to give abundant, more than, too much, excessive life. So what are we supposed to do with excessive salvation? What are we supposed to do with the excessive healing with which he has healed us? Well, this is where we need some mind renewal. This is where we need some renovation, some reconstruction in the way we think and the way we approach the word. Because if, if all you can see is the excess being for you, if it's just, if it just never gets beyond you, if this kind of life that he came to give 
uh, also extends itself to the financial state of your life, which it does. The excess, you've got to break out of this thinking that somehow that just the excess is for me and so that I can sit and look at my bottom line and look at my bank account and say, whew, look at all that cash. That is not what this excess is for and that is not what he's talking about. We've got to have some mind renewal about what the excess is for. Now, go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Again, another scripture that I know you've heard before, but I want you to see let me reiterate to you, he's not just leading us out. He's also leading us in. Look at Psalm 23. What does he say here? The Lord is my what? He's my shepherd. He is my good shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. I know when I was a little kid, that verse always puzzled me because I heard it. Uh, my mom or my dad would read it to me or would look at it in the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I could never figure out why the psalmist would say that he didn't want the Lord. And I realized one day, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have any wants. I don't have any needs because your shepherd meets your need. He makes me, verse two, to lie down in green pastures. You know, if you're a sheep, which you are, but imagine being a, a literal sheep and your good shepherd has come and he has called you by your name and he is leading you out. And you don't know where you're going. You're just following the shepherd and you make your way out of that enclosure and you make your way down the hill and into the valley and up across the next hill and you're in and out of trees and you're following this trail around and where are we going? You looking around at the other sheep, you guys been here, I don't know where we're going. And you're just following that shepherd and you follow him and you follow him and you follow him until you come up over the crest of a hill and you look out just as the sun is beginning to break over the, the hill on the other side, shedding light on this beautiful green pasture right in front of you. Now, if you're a sheep, when you see that green pasture, there are two things that come to your mind right then and there. Number one, let's eat. <laughs> That's where you're about to feast. But notice here, he says also, he makes me lie down. That's a, that is a picture of the rest, the rest that Jesus has come and made available to you and to me. Rest from the inside out. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now notice this in verse three, he restores my soul. So Jesus, our good shepherd, who is calling you by name, and is leading you out, you need to know where he's leading you into. He's leading you into these green pastures. He's leading you into a place of provision, a place of abundance. And just to tie this into what we already read from Jesus in John 10, you keep going in this. And he says in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What is that? That's abundance. That's too much in the cup. That's excess. So you see, this is, this is what the good shepherd does for the sheep. And Jesus said nearly this exactly, exactly the same thing in John 10. But I want you to notice what he said here in verse 3. Not only is he leading you into these green pastures beside still waters, there's something specific that he's doing in you in this place. And it's in this place that your good shepherd can begin to go to work in your soul. 
It's in this place that he is doing the restoration of your soul. Now, remember, we're tying all of this into him leading us out, specifically out of a place of poverty, out of a place of financial lack and financial burden and financial bondage. And he's leading us into a place of prosperity, a place of abundance, a place of too much, of excess until our cup overflows with blessing. But to do that, he has got to first go to work in your soul. In this place is the restoration. Listen to that word, restoration, the restoring of your soul. Lately, over the last several months, Sarah and I and our, our staff of our ministry, we have been really before the Lord on, uh, on a place for us to settle. We need, we need an office. Right now, Pearson's Ministries headquarters has been our home. And so we've got uh, three people working upstairs on a slow day, you know, and staff meetings are in the living room. And the other day we had staff chapel with Creflo Dollar right there on the TV and we watched his broadcast. And, but you know where the ministry's growing, the workload's increasing, we need a place. So we've been driving around and just leading as the Lord or looking as the Lord's been leading us. And several of the places we found um, ha- are places that are great places, but need a lot of restoration. Hey, we're up for that. Let's get our hands dirty. But we're starting to, to find out what it really means to restore uh, a building, restore an office or something like that. What, what, what all would go into it? The restoration of a place. Well, In a restoration, you might come into a place that needs some work. You might find as you look around and take a survey, well, this could stay and maybe we could leave this, but you know, all this over here, that's got to go and that's got to go and this can't stay, that's falling apart. Well, I want you to apply that to what he's saying here to your soul, to your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's a restoration that has got to take place in the way you think, specifically as we're talking about it, in the way you think, can I just say it, about money. There's got to be a restoration, a a restoring. In Romans chapter 12, where he says that uh, we need to have our minds renewed. Remember he said that, "Don't, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you look that word renew up, you're going to find that it literally means a reconstruction. And you're going to see this word in it too, a restoration. That is a time where you go in and you rip out everything that does not belong there. Everything that's either been put up over time or, or put up in a time long ago, but hasn't withstood, um, hasn't withstood the activity of the place or the storms that have raged around it, whatever, for whatever reason, it's fallen apart. Well, you go into that place and you start ripping that down. And for most people, it's the demolition phase that's the most fun. Well, you've got to think about it like that where your soul's concerned. Let's, let's rip out some of these ways of thinking that have held on for so long. Maybe some things that got put up there. Maybe, maybe, maybe mama built this part with something she used to say or, or your granddad or something somebody used to say because the, they heard somebody say it who heard somebody else say it and you found out from the word of God that it wasn't even in there. Well, you know what you do with that? You take the hammer of the word and you start knocking that down and ripping that out and you rip out everything that doesn't belong. And that, 
the way I see it is in this place. It's in this place of rest. It's in this place where he wants to provide for you. He wants to sustain you here. But that's not all that's supposed to take place there. It is in that place that the restoration of your soul happens. That's why Sarah and I take so seriously our times of rest, our vacation that we take each year, whether it be just she and I a little getaway or the extended time we take with our family. We're very serious about it, and we have been since the first year we got married. We found out that God was so serious about rest he, it, 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 he starts talking about it from almost the first page of the Bible. I mean, he, you'd look at every day he created, days one through six. You know what he looked at it and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. He said that about all six days, but then he got to that day of rest. And you know what he called it? Holy. That's the only day he called holy. He called separate. We found out from other scriptures and from the witness of the Spirit on the inside that the Lord was so serious about His rest in our lives that He was willing to pay for it. If we were willing to listen and go where He said go, He'd pay to get us there. And He has done it year after year after year without fail. We have taken some awesome vacations together as a family. I mean, we just came back from this past summer, summer 2014, and man, we had an awesome time together. Uh, I really extensive. I mean, we were all over the place and just, just a matter of days before we left, here come the money for it. And it was paid for before we even left. We had an awesome time. Why would the Lord be so, so committed to providing in that way for our rest? It's because in that place, he can go to work in your soul. But if you refuse to ever take some time and step for a moment out of this grind, this day in, this day out, this thing you, you wake up and you go through the routine and you get dressed and you grab a bite on your way out and you drive to work and you get to work and you go to work and then you drive home and then you get home and you do, you go to bed and you wake up and you just do the same thing every day, if you never take time to get out of that, then it is very difficult for the Lord to begin to elevate your thinking, to even get across to you the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm trying to lead you out here. You've been in something for a long time. I'm trying to lead you out of, if you would just take a minute and breathe deep. I'm not saying you got to go on a vacation. Just go on a walk. Just, just get quiet for a minute and let him go to work in your soul and let him begin to build a new picture. Let him begin to restore some things. Take out some things that don't belong there and put in some things that do. I want to show you this and we'll, we'll look at it today and tomorrow, but look at Luke chapter 12 with me. We'll spend some time here, but I'll show you specifically what I'm talking about and specifically as it relates to money. Luke chapter 12. And we'll begin in verse 13. Notice what Jesus is about to say to us here. Got to give you some backstory. You're going to see here in verse 13, it says, Then one from the crowd, there was a huge crowd that had come to hear Jesus. And uh, he had been preaching for several verses here. And one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
Now, you really need to put this in context. Like I said, big crowd has come to hear Jesus, and he's begun to speak. He's speaking to his disciples and those around that are hearing it. And he is, he's really saying some monumental and some revolutionary things in these few verses. I mean, he's introducing some things that just in a few words alone could change the life of anybody who heard him. I mean, he's talking to him about uh, how not uh, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, are you not of more value than many sparrows? What's he saying? This is revolutionary to people. Jesus has come to put value on them. No one had ever valued life like they did until he came and he conferred upon them the value that God put on mankind. He's preaching along and he gets to verse eight. I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, the son of man will also confess uh, before the God of angels. Is this important stuff here? Talking about how you and I are saved and born again and our lives are changed forever by simply confessing, saying the same thing about Jesus that God said about him and confessing him before men. Jesus is saying, I'll confess you before my father. He's preaching some revolutionary stuff. And in the middle of it, this joker in the crowd interrupts Jesus, just waiting, waiting for Jesus just to take a deep breath long enough to interrupt him with what's on his mind. Do you catch that? He calls out to Jesus and he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus has just been preaching some life-changing, world-changing stuff about the value that God puts, us, puts on us and, and how we could have Jesus confess us before the Father. These are the things that are truly valuable. But this man interrupts with what's most valuable to him. Can you see that? Here's where we got to go to work in our soul. We've got to begin to recognize what is truly valuable. And we're going to look at scripture tomorrow and maybe even the next day from the Bible that tells us what things are worth far more than the money that we have. And Jesus in just a moment is going to go into a parable about a rich man who lost everything in one night. And it was because of some wrong thinking in his soul. So right now, today, at the end of this broadcast, I want you to go before the Lord and say, Father, go to work in my soul. Begin right now to correct my thinking. Show me what is most valuable. Show me what is truly valuable. And you can begin right here. If you've had money on your mind the way this guy has, so, as, so far as to interrupt Jesus preaching, right now we got to get that off our minds. Money does not belong on your mind and it does not belong at the height of your priority list. No, you bring that down where it belongs and you elevate some of these other things. You elevate the value that he has put on you. You know, if you would get a hold of the value that God's put on you, and really get a hold of it in your spirit, overflowing into your soul, you would never worry about money again. All because you got your soul restored. Praise God. I'm out of time right now, but don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a moment. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.